Hey, Two Creek family. It's your host, Steve Rye. I just want to let you all know that this month's episode isn't a good episode for kids to hear. We got some adult topics. If there are little ears nearby, just wait until later. But I am very excited for this month's episode. I learned a lot. I know everybody who listens to this is going to learn a lot. So let's dig in. He seems to have the whole morning out right in front of him. And everything he sings from the branch that he's sitting on. It seems to hush the leaves and the colors all around. Now first he sings and then he goes. And what it means, it's hard to know. All right, what up, Two Creek family? I want to welcome my brother in Christ, Zach Lacey. What's up, man? How's it going? How you doing? I'm doing well. This man came all the way from Washington State, Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington. Represent. What, dude? How did this happen? This is crazy. <laughs> Why are you here right now? I know, I, I've asked myself the same thing in the last three days. Like, <clears throat> whoa, I just had a voice crack. Are we gonna if you don't crack? know, no, I'm going to leave that in there. That was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no, this this worked out perfectly. I had a couple couple weeks off work, and you know, this gave me a good excuse to come see family and friends. So, yeah, man, it's awesome. I'm dude. happy to be here. Yeah. So, just a little backstory. This is my second time meeting Zach, and he slept on my couch last night. So I did. That shows our relationship. It's pretty cool, though. I already feel like, yeah, you're just a bro. Did you just call me cool? It's pretty cool. Oh, I thought you. Were but you're cool me. too. Okay. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, I just want to talk about how we met. I was out in Oregon for the BLM job, and my brother Zach here was working for Peak 7, which is a, an awesome organization out in Washington. So just give a little backstory on that. Me give the backstories? Yeah, so that's how me and Steven met. I was uh, I was guiding a 52-day expedition for a bunch of crazy teenagers who may or may not be listening to this podcast. I hope you guys are. I, I will probably send a link to one of them. But, um, yeah, and then Stephen, you came out and um, helped us with the climbing portion, and that's when we first met. Let's go. Let's go. That was fun. Yeah, it was a blast up in Smith Rock. Smith Rock. And we were camping out, climbing, and then I got to do a little multi-pitch up there, so it was awesome. And, yeah, and we just, we were, I just knew that you are cool. You were like, it would be awesome if we could do a podcast. Yeah. You you just reached out to me, and you are like, yeah. through instagram I, through instagram i guess yeah, yeah. You're like, what's up man like we sh- i saw you're doing a podcast it'd be cool yeah yeah for <laughs> I was sure. like dude i'm so down and so the so the way this all went down is i actually was like this week on what tuesday i think mm-hmm. i reached out to him i was just like man something's on my heart like i just feel like we should do this together i'm thinking we should do this in person you i don't know when it's gonna be but you can come we can climb we can do whatever and he was like, how's tomorrow? <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> yep. If you're serious, call me. We'll figure this out. <laughs> so, yeah, just really cool how it all worked out. And I think that was a God thing, too, because it's just not that it's cool over the phone, but it's not nearly as comfortable. And, I mean, you get to have a little adventure. We went to Great Falls this morning, and we got to do some climbing. So today we were competing of who was the actual guide. <laughs> steven definitely knows more than i do no but he's he's a mountaineering guy so yeah he's got it all down mm, 
Not quite. Roping systems. Mm, 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 I'm getting there. Yeah, you're right. They sucked. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it was awesome being able to be out there with you, though. Yeah, so we were on our way back from climbing, and at 12, we got hit by a, a sleep wall. Oh, yeah. But let's record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I need coffee first. <laughs> so. so we hit up the, the lob, which is the local... Local coffee crag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> coffee <laughs> crag. <laughs> no, I wish we had a local crag. That'd be awesome. Uh, we got some seltzer. We got some coffee. We got some peanut butter. We got all the good vibes going on here. And then we also got... You're just going to describe everything on your table? Yeah, we also got a lantern and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> some plants. And the fake plant. <laughs> it's not fake. Don't call me out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is. I'm sorry. It's very fake. <laughs> I don't like... Every plant in my apartment is fake. Revealed. Because I don't like watering and taking care of a plant. The true Stephen comes out. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to, I don't want to f- feed a plant as a part of my time. Literally all you do is water it. It's just too much once for me, a, man. Once a day. I got too much going once on. Once a week, it's just, even. It's just like too much. I got one real plant out there in the patio, though, and I do water that. <laughs> so if you can water that plant, you can water all the other ones, too. But that one's like... <laughs> once every two weeks and usually it rains so i never have to do it <laughs> so man should we just go into this yeah man all right first things first we're talking about addictions to lust today we'll be relating them to a man's perspective but we don't want women to shy away from this topic either because we know it's mm-hmm. going to affect and impacts them as well so please just stick around listen and if you have any questions again Creek at gmail.com. Boom. Send it through. Yes. I think I think this conversation has a tendency for both guys and gals, I mean, men and women, to sort of like roll their eyes at first. Like, okay. okay whatever. Whatever. You know, like we, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, I don't know. I think, I think it's a conversation that needs to happen, not only between men, but between men and women and especially in the church. So Definitely. Yep. The question that comes to my mind is, why is why is any addiction unhealthy? Not just an addiction to lust, or you know, not just specifically porn pornography, which is something that is of our topic today. But um, Gerald May, in his book Addiction and Grace, says that addictions can be anything from from objects to people to ideas to behaviors. And so I think you can go far down the rabbit hole there. But I think. I would say any addiction is unhealthy. You can even be addicted to work. You can be addicted to good things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think addiction is unhealthy because it takes our desire, our God-given desires and puts them in places that they were never meant to be. Mm. Um, whether that's people, whether that's things, whether that's ideas, um, whether that's pornography. We have this desire that has been given to us by God. And addiction is when we take that desire. Um and we, we put all of it into other things that we worship. That's so true. I think it, I think it's also good to start at you know this idea that as 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 human beings, God created us with a capacity to worship and a capacity to connect and a capacity to pour our hearts and our desires into things. And when we um, when that takes place outside of a relationship with Him, I mean that's that's what the Bible calls idolatry, right? But just to say that that we were we were made with this capacity to 
to worship. And I think we don't always start there, right? We always we sort of we sort of start with you know, well, what's the issue or like what's wrong with me, sort of. When the reality is, and I mean, we can get to this later if we choose to, but the reality is that um, any desire for for anything, um, I think you could say that there's there's good to be had there. There's good in our desires. Um, we just misuse them. And then the world twists them too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to hit on this unhealthy lust addiction isn't a new, like us knowing that it's unhealthy isn't new. So I wrote down, it was stated in 700 BC, Proverbs 7, which is 4th century. I mean, think about that. It's a long time ago. And it's I'm not even saying yeah. that them writing it down made it known because people knew it was unhealthy then too. But we get to have it in Scripture, which is so cool. Hmm. And so this is Proverbs 7, 22 through 27. It says, All at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So that verse is just such a big eye-opener to how seriously this can bring you. I mean, it says Proverbs seven twenty-three. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And I would also say to that text, because because I there are going to be women who listen to this, and it could be argued that, it's not necessarily talking about the actions of a particular woman, but it's more of a personification of this idea of lust and, and lustful behavior. Mm-hmm. And obviously the way that it leads a human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the title head of this is warning against the adulteress. Yeah. Yep. Great way to relate to our topic today. So now science is catching up to the idea and finding just how badly a lust addiction messes up our brains. I read a study that it's lighting up the same parts of the brain that cocaine would light up when you get addicted to cocaine. They found out that males were getting addicted to it. They wanted to do a study and say, okay, like when they're acting out or taking in this drug, like what part of the brain lights up? The Mm. same exact part of your brain lights up as it would be if you were to take a line of cocaine. Yeah. It's insane. That's That's scary. It, it is scary, yeah. Yeah, and and it's also just—I mean—that's the way God made our brains, right? <laughs> we have that capacity to experience pleasure. Yeah, and no matter where we get it from, it affects us yep. in our brains. And then here's another cool imagery. So if you're driving, don't do this, but take your fist, right, Zach? You can do this too if you want. Okay. <laughs> take your fist, put it, and then tuck your thumb inside of your fist. All right, now take your other fist. Put your put your mic on the mic stand. <laughs> Roger. Take your take your other fist, and now put them together. 
So that's the size of your brain. Oh, okay. And so the point of that is you can see that it's not that big, right? But think about how much is going on there. Yeah, we know more about outer space than we do about our brains. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Yeah. Because there's so many connections there and millions and millions of connections. I mean, I was also reading in the book I'm reading now, is like the human brain has more connections than there are stars in the sky. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Just wrap your mind around that. Yeah. Wrap your little brains around that right now. Trillions and trillions of neurons connecting with other neurons. Don't quote me on that. I'm not not a neurologist. (laughs) No, that was good though. You're right. (laughs) Oh, and then I want to also hit on the addiction part of your brain. You start to look at a, a woman or a man as a tool to fulfill your addiction and not loving them for who they are. And this was me, you know, and I realized that I started doing that and I realized, man, I don't even really think I know how to love anymore Hmm. because I'm so caught up in this and yeah, simply so this is a tool to fulfill this addiction. Yeah, no. And I, I think, I mean, our, our, our world is waking up to that, that, I mean, you see these movements happening like fight the new drug, like, you know, these quote unquote non-religious movements. But I think they're saying in many ways what some of the things that the church should be saying, but are not. And so I don't think it's any surprise that like we are, we're realizing like, you know, through the research, through the facts that this is, this is not good. I think the question is like, okay, not that it's not good, although, (laughs) you know, unfortunately people would debate that and say things like pornography are, are good, can be used responsibly. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. If it's like cocaine, then can cocaine be used responsibly? Not that I know. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, I don't think any cocaine user is, is taking cocaine, you know, once once a week for their self-care you know they're just have a little bit of cocaine never heard of it i just don't think that's how it works <laughs> exactly exactly um, and i wanted to also hit on like it rewired who i was and and know that i am so i had to realize like how far my life had gone off track really and i wasn't caring about anything i was doing for the longest time like i didn't i didn't feel guilty about it really it's like whatever you know like this doesn't really matter um and this is this isn't just about pornography this is also wanting to just have sex and not caring so yeah man i mean <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation but it's that's what it turned into it turned in from me loving the lord and then not having that addiction to when i that addiction took place i didn't care anymore i became numb to everything else yeah yeah and it's interesting because i you know you, you hear this a lot. You, you would read this a lot on the fight in the new drug website. Um, and the research is like so clear, but I think people are realizing exactly what you just said, you know, like this, this actually prevents me from having relationships, you know, whatever relationship with another human being is supposed to look like in its most, most healthy and good and God honoring form. This, this completely is the opposite. <laughs> and I think that's especially true with pornography because it's especially related to the objectification and use and consumption of people. I mean, it's people that that drastically changes anyone's expectations and behaviors towards sexuality 
and relationships. I think that's key. Like not just, not just like, Oh, this is not how sexuality should be. Like, no, I was made for more. Like this is about relationships. And I think people are realizing that. And so the question is like, well, how how do I have relationship? <laughs> how do how do I have a relationship with someone and it not be about lust? Mm. That's an interesting question, yeah. because if lust, if this idea of lust does permeate into our sphere of relationships, then how how do I begin to relate to people from a standpoint that is not about consumption or using them? Mm-hmm. It's not about making people be something for me to make me feel good. Yeah, that's so good. Like Proverbs seven says, like it just this lust addiction just will take over your life and not care, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so you really have to put that into context to even pornography too. They're making money off you. They don't care. It's uh, fight. The new drug has this quote. That's like by watching pornography, you're accepting rape culture. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that raises an interesting question of, you know, part of that research is asking the question of what are we learning? What, what is a person learning when they consume pornography? And this could be a man, this could be a woman. What do they learn about relationships? What do they learn about reality? What do they learn about sexuality? What do they learn about pleasure? What do they learn about these things that actually changes the way that they operate in real time? Like, Holy crap. So, so, so just to frame the, the, the conversation about like porn specifically, it, it's not just this thing that you, that you go and you do in the dark, you know, it's not just this thing that you do when no one's looking. It actually has real time implications on how you treat people. Literally the, the, the lens that you look through to see people, the behaviors and your expectations with people and I think that I think that we're realizing like that that has real consequences and it is completely opposite of what how relationships and, and what we would say like as as Christians like of course like that goes completely like not how we are called to relate to people not mm-hmm. how we are called to be in a relationship with people. Yeah, that's good. I'm done. Sorry, that was a- <laughs> no, dude. Don't ever say sorry. <laughs> that was incredible. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to hit Galatians six two. And sorry if you don't believe in Scripture. That's completely okay. But you don't have to believe in Scripture to understand what we're saying. So that's okay. No, yeah. I think that's also the point. Like, yep. there's these... Fight the new drug. I mean, we've mentioned it like three or four times. But fight the secular new drug. Yeah. business. Yeah, or like quote-unquote secular business that, you know, uh, they're asking they're asking the question, you know, how do I have a healthy relationship? How do I have healthy sexuality? Now I I'm not sure if I embrace their conclusions on that. Just the question, like I don't have to I don't have to embrace their conclusion on what to do with their sexuality, um, in order to be able to to look at what they're saying and say, oh, like you know, these people are realizing something. I mean, these are not believers. May, you know, I don't know. Like these may or may not be, quote unquote, you know, Christian conversations, but they're still happening. And I think. Like as a, as a Christian, you should be able to pay attention to those conversations that are happening. Like that is very important. Definitely. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true though. And I just don't know how I would have done it without scripture or how to, I don't, I just don't know how I would do it without scripture because basically I can use secular organizations like that and they're great for quotes and stuff, but something that's pushed me to really dig my feet into the ground 
was the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ, the fact that I believe that he died for my sins, and the fact that I need to work hard because of what he did for me. And so I think a lot of Christians think if they pray their prayer, it'll just disappear. And that's the biggest problem. Hmm. That is the biggest problem in the Christian community because, one, Christians think they need to hide it. They're like, oh, no, nah, man, I'm a leader in the church. I'm not talking about that. I was talking to Zach yesterday about it, and I was like, a lot of Christians think, I need to take this to the grave. That's what I thought. I was like, I need to, this can never come out. Yeah, I, I'll beat this thing on my own, you know? Like, I got this. Yeah, and, and it's funny because that that mentality actually works against you in the end. I mean, that that mentality actually creates more more of an, an issue. Oh, yeah. And it's almost like, I mean, Gerald May talks about in his book, Addiction and Grace, this idea that the number one trait of addiction is self-deception. Mm. And so if you are like, you know, saying, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to beat this. Like, I'm just going to white knuckle my way through and, I'm, and it's going to be gone. I know. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Nope. But I th- I think you're touching on something, Stephen, too, that like, I think, I think many men and women, but I want to speak for men because I am a man and this, and this has been a struggle and an experience for me. And I think many men just think that if they change their behavior, then the issue will be resolved. Um, and so it ends up being behavior modification, which we know is not, not the gospel, (laughs) right? The gospel, the gospel gets at the deep things that, I mean, Proverbs says the hearts, the heart of a man is deep waters and its purposes are deep. And so if you just, if, I mean, I don't know, I'm, if you just look at the external, if you just look at the behavior, if you just look at the issue that you see on the outside, like you're not going to, you're not going to actually find change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can change those things around, but ultimately that, that doesn't change from the inside out. Exactly. You can't just be like, Hey God, like take it over. Yes. God will help you. He will 100%, but he needs you to do the work too. He needs you to do, like I said, dig your feet in the ground and do the work as well. Yeah. And I wonder if that work doesn't look more like allowing ourselves to be changed by him. Mm. Um, and, and I, I think that's, that's super important. And I would also say that it is a temptation to take that and sort of go with the white knuckle thing, you know, like I'm going to beat this, I can do it. And I think ultimately that that doesn't get at the heart of change and it may change what's on the outside, but it's, it's not ultimately going to change the heart. Yep. Um, what that does is it turns into a cycle Yeah. because you're like, man, I can beat this thing. And then you don't shame hits hard. And what do you do when shame hits hard? You go right back into it. Yep. You go right back into what you find comfort in. Yep. It's just a big circle. Shame is, I think, one of the biggest parts of this thing. Absolutely. Shame. And then when you're talking to your brothers, that's, and getting it out in the light, that's what helps, man. I think that's, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge almost is, is sort of what you were describing as the ideal, you know, whether it's a Christian leader or a pastor or just a normal person, you know, we, we don't want to be exposed right? <laughs> we think, we think the answer is somehow we can just manage and beat this on our own, whatever it is, what, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is for you. And, you know, obviously we're talking about pornography, but 
um, what that does is create more darkness and more hiding. Yep. And until until someone comes into the light, there is so much so much hiding there. And the reason why I like the word lust addiction is because pornography always turns into something else. Mm. It always turns into lusting, always. I mean, you're looking at girls. You're not just now looking at screens. You're looking at girls at the gym. You're like, okay. And then you're getting things out of just around you because the lens that you're looking through is so fogged. And so you don't even, you almost don't even realize you're doing it sometimes because your mind is so fogged. And then when you start to beat this thing, you realize, man, life is just better. Yeah. And also, I mean, we're not naively saying a man or a woman is never going to struggle with lust. Oh, no. That that struggle will exist it's continuous <laughs> for the rest of my life i mean i i'm a, i'm a fallen broken human being i'm gonna struggle with lust lust for something right w- whatever that is I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna battle that for the rest of my life and i'm gonna process through it i think the biggest thing knowing that we are broken human beings right and we need to know that too actually i made a note here the second we forget we are messed up we turn religious mm. so Wow. I have always had a problem with religion. And so when people come up to me like, oh, so you're religious. I'm like, no. What are you talking about? I'm not religious. And that really throws people off. They're like, what? You just said you go to church. I was like, yeah, but I'm not religious. <laughs> religious has a different meaning now. It does. Than I think it did. And so when people say it, I'm almost like offended. Yeah. I'm like, religious? Jesus didn't come to, to start a new religion. Yeah. He came to make people whole. Mm, come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's and, good. Uh, I, I, think, I think just like mentioning brokenness, um, <clears throat> I think very often what we, we view brokenness as, as a barrier to healing, to growth, to those things, but, but it's actually a bridge. Uh, brokenness is the thing that, that wakes us up. It's the pain. <laughs> it's the... It's the tension that wakes us up to the reality uh, of our desperate need for grace. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to to that is like what I mean by we turn religious is we start pointing our fingers at other people. And we're like, they're not perfect. They're not doing this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, but look at your life. Yeah. Look at your life. Look at what you're struggling with. You need to be humbled. And so I truly believe that God allows it. Brokenness? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and and I'm going to school in Seattle and at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, and one of my professors Dan Allender, he talks he he just doesn't fail to mention whenever he talks about sexuality that that every every sexuality is broken. I mean, mm. you know, because we're human, <laughs> because we live in a fallen world, male sexuality is broken. Female sexuality is broken, you know every form of sexuality every because it's so part of who we are and it's so core of who we are it's to say that it's that it's just broken because we messed it up and we no i think i think we live we live in a fallen world (laughs) and so just yeah so just to say also with that like no that the struggle with a lust addiction or with pornography or any of is no worse than any other form of sexual struggle that we experience through this life because they're all equally broken in some ways. And so the question is, (laughs) what, 
how how do I find wholeness? How do I find healing? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is too in the Christian community, you need a solid group of men to surround you. It can't just be you say it to anybody. You say it to somebody you really trust. Because the second somebody starts to point fingers at you, you'll fall right back into where you were. So it has to be brothers who accept you, no matter what. Yeah. Because that's the biggest thing. Shame, again, is what causes, what what brings you back into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that as your listeners are even hearing this conversation and, and, and the fact that we're talking about, you know, sexuality whatever that brings to any person's mind first off you know i do think that for many people the feelings that they are going to associate with this conversation are uh are shame and i and i think it's just important to say that you know that is like god never intended us to feel shame towards our sexuality um god never intended for us to feel shame towards ourselves at all and that came with the fall that came with brokenness but it's also become a tactic and a strategy of of the the enemy i mean we if we believe in that premise as christians that that we do have an enemy i mean and that there is a thing called evil evil delights to bring shame and contempt to my sexuality to my very being as a person to live unaware of that i think is 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 in many ways doing yourself a disservice because that is a reality. And I think, like, I think Satan, the enemy, however you want to call him, you know, I think Satan, he really wants us to stay in shame. And, And this could be with anything, but especially, especially with our sexuality. He wants to keep us in, in the, in the bondage that shame is because shame is, is this, this idea that I'm not enough. And I'll never be enough. And something's fundamentally wrong with me. And there are many, I mean, there are obviously many reasons why someone would feel that way, especially with this conversation of sexuality. I'm very aware that that abuse is like a category that brings so much shame to people. Um, and so just to say that, that whatever it is you've experienced or currently are experiencing, um, I don't think God ever designed us to experience shame in our sexuality or, or our very beings at all. Yeah. Speaking of giving yourself away to a lust addiction, you can be giving yourself away to shame. Yeah. You really can be. Shame is what pulled me away from logical connections. So I couldn't focus on things around me and I couldn't even think straight throughout the day because I I had just watched porn and it just fogged my brain. Yeah. And that's what makes men not want to say anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking and, from a man's perspective again, because we are men. Absolutely. We are men. <laughs> you know, something, and this has, this has also been a big part of my story. I mean, just being honest, right? Like I, I found porn when I was six years old. Um, and my dad would, is probably not going to listen to this podcast, but you know, I found porn in my dad's house when I was six years old, Wa- watched my first internet pornography when I was 12. Like, holy crap, that talk about shame. That brings in shame early. And so I think shame is what what feeds my compulsion. And I think that this is something that's super important for, for anyone to understand about porn. And, and for men is like, shame is what feeds my compulsion. If I believe at my core that I'm nothing, that I'm worthless, that that I am 
something's wrong with me. I have every right to act that way because I already believe it about myself. And so shame is not only this, this reality, this experience of I am, you know, I am a me- something's wrong with me. It's actually out of that place that we, we often act. It's like, okay, if something's wrong with me, I have every right to do this. Yeah, it is a battle. Absolutely. I mean, and like we said, <laughs> it's my mentor who I think will eventually listen to this podcast and I won't mention his name, but he frequently tells me, you know, we come into this life crippled and we leave crippled, right? Like no one gets through this life without scotch-free. Like we will struggle through this life, but by gosh, like we, we can change and we can heal and we can find growth and we can find freedom and we can find purpose and we can find Jesus. (laughs) Come on. Who is this guy? I got to meet him. (laughs) Shout out to you, Den. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and I just think that, that that is something that we forget. Like the goal is not to beat it, right? B- because in some sense, I will be struggling as a broken man. I will be struggling with lust and Lord knows what else for the rest of my life. And so that's good. And so what, what that brings though is an awareness of, okay, game on, right? Like, okay, if that, if that's the reality, if, if the enemy wants to take me out, if he wants to keep me stuck in shame, like okay, what is my response? How, how, how does being a Christian, how does being a follower of Jesus and living in his kingdom, how does that change how I respond to that question? And you're going to tell me like, (laughs) you know, and some guys are going to say, well, I just need to stop. It's just a bad habit. Yeah. It's like, no, no, it's not just a a habit. Like there are spiritual forces at work in this world that seek to keep you bound in shame and addiction and lust and all of these things. And God wants your desire to be free. Like God has created me for freedom of desire. But what we do is, is it we, we, we take our desire to things that actually enslave us. And one of my mentors too is, you said something really cool that hit me the other day. Satan doesn't show up at the bar to, to grab those guys because he's already got those guys. He's trying to come into the, the church and he wants to take over the church with this sin called lust addiction. Hmm. And... Shame is his biggest tool. Yeah. Shame, he wants you to never talk about it. He wants you to think that you're not an equipped leader because you're stuck in this shame and you can't talk about it. Yeah. Oh man, he'll take he will take you to the grave with that. Yeah. If and you never talk about it. So Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think it's it's good to mention too that there's gonna there's gonna be people probably who I mean I would include myself in this, you know, and and there's going to be people who are listening to this. And the reality is that the church hasn't done a super good job about talking about our sexuality. That's so true. And so I think that in and of itself is like, well, well, hold on. Why? If, if If we are the church and we care about human flourishing we would want to talk about sexuality. (laughs) Um, And so just to say, just to be able to name, like there, there are people out there who have experienced the lack of that conversation in church. um, And, and other, I believe other forms of um, frustration from the church in, in regards to this conversation. And I, I think that is also, um, sort of part of the enemy's, you know, the plan It's like, if you can break them up from the inside out, right? And so, um, not not to not to label every lack of conversation about sexuality as like an a scheme of the you know of Satan. I'm not 
I'm not looking for Satan in the bushes or anything. No, no, yeah. And I think that is one problem, actually, that I wanted to hit on because my buddy, I won't say his name either, but he just talks about we give Satan too much credit sometimes, you know? Yeah. And so we're like, oh, yeah, I messed up because, well, Satan. Yeah. No. Yeah. You messed up because you're a, you're addicted. Yeah. You love it. Yep. Things where you find comfort. Yep. So many Christians are choosing to have this conversation. So many Christians are choosing to engage this subject um, and this topic and this, you know, this question of, of sexuality. And, and I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's been done sort of poorly in, in a lot of books and stuff like that. But I wanted to bring up that I found this article that talks about surveys that point out the average American male thinks about sex once every 30 minutes. So let's not shy away from talking about it because you know you can now look at somebody at church and say, man, they're a male. I wonder if they're struggling with what I'm struggling with because they probably are. Well, they uh, most definitely are. I don't think there, there, there does not exist a man or a woman. And this goes back to what we were saying. This, there doesn't exist a human being who doesn't struggle with lust. And so to assume that is absolutely... I would, I would assume that most men I know are struggling with porn. And I would say also that there's no shame. Like, that's okay. I mean, I'm not saying porn's okay. Yeah, I'm no, just, no, no. I'm just saying to be able to say, like, okay, like, let's bring this into the light. We don't yeah. have to hide. We don't, there, there doesn't have to be shame around that. Like, yeah. you're broken. So am I. Join the club. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm not, and that's, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but. No, but sometimes it's good. Yeah. To simplify it. Yeah. And so the point of just bringing that up too is why shouldn't we bring this up now that we know most males are already thinking it? And that was just, this is just something I read in one of the books I'm doing now. And it's just, it's so, it's such a key example. Hmm. It's like, yeah, we should be talking about it. Absolutely. And I'm not saying like, go find the first guy now and like pour out to him. No, 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 no. Again, close brothers is where this needs to start. Yeah. And that's where I started and it has been life-changing. Let's talk about accountability. Come on. Can we talk about that? Oh, for a we second? can definitely talk about accountability. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think that accountability can be helpful, but I think in some ways there is this model of sort of accountability. It's almost become like a spirit, like a discipline within the church. Uh, I heard that from another podcast, <laughs> but um, it's almost like, you know, I give a guy permission to like call me out and sort of police my behavior. And I don't always think that that works. I don't always think that that addresses the heart of the issue because, you know, I don't know, sort of like writing me a ticket for my behavior and slapping me on the wrist. And then, and then what? Well, we don't actually have a conversation about it. We don't get into any of that stuff and so mm. i don't know what are your thoughts on that i'm so glad you brought that up dude because yeah. that is a whole nother topic in itself i mean what does accountability look like what does a good accountability look like yeah one what i've learned is you never have to send like pray harder next time like we were talking about earlier is like yeah that's just something that'll lead back to shame yeah no it's like man i love you i'm going through it with you i'm here for you and with you it's never, ever, dude, that sucks. Yeah. You're really screwing up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I mean, think about saying that to a, a cocaine addict. How is that going to help? Right. Yeah, and it's it's a good attempt. 
I mean, it's a good attempt to keep things in the light, right? I want to commend like anyone who's moving towards that. And if accountability is the first step in that, they're like, awesome. You know, like you know, download the app, you know, have, have brothers and sisters you talk about this stuff with, but that, and, and this is just my opinion, but that can't be the final solution because mm-hmm. if you just have people, you know, sort of monitoring your behavior, again, you don't have the kind of accountability that really gets it at the heart of the issue. That's so good. Yes. Accountability. Yes. Download the apps. Yes. All that stuff, you know, shoot yourself in the foot as much as you can. But at the end of the day, what needs to change is, is, is my heart. And that's, that's what the gospel says, right? Is that what needs to change is my heart. I need a new heart. I need new beliefs about, about life, about God, about people. And again, you don't just pray a new heart into you. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. The, your, your mind is, is addicted. Your mind is twisted now. Ted Roberts talks about is he, he, he calls it a noose on your soul. He's like, when you try to pull away, the noose tightens. What you need to do is cut the rope. Hmm. And that's so true. Hmm. Because cutting the rope is meaning that you're changing the way that you think. And it can be a three to five year process. That's oh, how he man. talks about it. It yeah. can be, you know, and like I said, I'm not saying like three to five year process and you're completely healed. No, right. no, no. I'm saying yeah. you have scars in your mind. You do have scars. And I think that's important to say is like, and again, like Gerald May uh, in his book, Addiction and Grace talks about sort of the neurology of addiction. And the reality is that those, like those patterns in your brain, those grooves, those pathways, they're always going to be there. And And honestly, and this is frustrating, but we can never always predict when or when they don't show up so for the rest of my life like there there are things in my brain that have the potential to to light up again um what's my response when that happens i think uh, how how am i going to continue to move forward with life what's what's going to be my response and and no i don't have to be a slave to that Hmm. that's got chills dude that's so true wow like that was good awesome (laughs) (laughs) that's been sweet man great i'm awesome it's been great so far die I did not mean what? I meant to say that's awesome and I said I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually? I actually please please edit that I out. I am keeping that in there for sure. That's <laughs> great, man. I'm awesome. I gave you those I'm chills. I'm awesome, it's me. <laughs> I gave you those chills. <laughs> it was all me, brother. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit the desires of the spirit are against the flesh and these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do that's pretty relevant and that's Mm -hmm. not even the verse i was going to read and that's galatians 6 16 through 17 Hmm. so let me just read that last part real quick for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh So just think about that real quick, that first part. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Man, how relevant is that? It's going to keep you from doing things that you want to do if you follow the desires of our flesh. And so that's something that I want to hit on too is because we are constantly, even in, like you were saying, we're going to be going through this the rest of our lives. We're constantly going back to wanting the desires of the flesh. They're amusing. Yep. It's like, yeah, I want to go to a club and get plastered and do whatever the heck I want. That looks kind of fun right now. That's a desire of the flesh that will continue to come up. 
Absolutely. And again, that's not me pointing fingers. That's something that I've seen in myself. Yeah. The desire of my flesh is constantly wanting to come out and I have to be like, nope. Yeah. Not going to do that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> to myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, my flesh doesn't doesn't care about what I know. You know? Like it just doesn't care. And that that's that that sort of plays into the issue in general. It's like, well, I just, you know, how many times have you said to yourself I know, like, I know that what I'm doing is working against me. I know that, you know, this, I know this cookie is not going to be good for me if I'm trying to be healthy, but it doesn't matter what I know. Ultimately, like, I'm still going to eat that cookie. (laughs) And so just to say, like, the flesh does not care what I know. And it's always going to be there sort of wafting the cookie in front of my face for lack of better example mm. you know and dude and, and and i'll sometimes i'll eat it you know and there's grace sometimes i'll eat the cookie mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah <laughs> is this illustration working no sometimes it is it's I'll working eat the great cookie. <laughs> yeah. um and the cookie's not going to go away but what ch- what's going to change is my ability to realize that the cookie is not what's best for me and that there's a thing called vegetables <laughs> Dude, that's uh, good. That's stupid. That's a, I really like the. <laughs> I don't know. I like the analogy. Not the cookies are bad. <laughs> it is a sin to eat chocolate chip cookies. It's not. I'm looking at Chips Ahoy cookies I, right I now. I had one last night. <laughs> Did you really? When you were in the shower. What the heck's your problem? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you ate the freaking cookie, dude. <laughs> no, he didn't. But Just to clarify. But um, I think I think. What are your thoughts on this? Like this question of if addiction is slavery uh it's 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 taking our choices and becoming enslaved to them as as if we don't have a choice in some ways the question is how does that choice also play into our freedom yeah that's a really good question because we do have choice right we don't have to choose the things that we do but the bible says we do it anyways so but it also says we have a capacity to to choose god Mm -hmm right yeah so what i think that personally looks like for me is again digging in and really trying so that means doing things you don't necessarily want to do so what that looked like for me was meeting with five other dudes and talking about these struggles together because right when i did that shane was like still there but a lot less Hmm. it still sucks but again, it's not taking over my life now. Right. If that answers your Yeah. Can I can I read a quote? Yeah. I want to read a quote from Gerald May. Uh because he he puts things in a much better way than I probably ever would just off the top of my brain. Mm-hmm. And that quote is uh from his book Addiction and Grace, Love and Spirituality and the Healing of Addictions, and he says, quote, Grace is what empowers us to choose rightly in what seem to be the most choiceless of situations, but it does not and will not determine that choice. And so this idea that part of our freedom, part of a person's freedom from addiction is realizing that they have the choice and also that that choice is given to them by God and that that choice is empowered by grace and that there's hope that we don't have to be st- stuck we don't have to be enslaved 
God wants, I mean, like you were reading in Galatians, God wants freedom is not just freedom from bad stuff, but freedom is, is freedom towards good stuff. And God wants our desires to be free so that we can love him and love people. And I think that is, I think that is like the weird solution (laughs) to, to any addiction, but to this conversation of lust and porn, like loving God freely, loving people freely. That is what we were created for. That is what our desire was always meant to be for, is for God and for people. And that also starts with with grace because grace is that, that thing that says, I am loved as I am. I am okay and I'm loved as I am. God doesn't just say that from his proverbial, you know, pulpit in the in the sky, but he actually comes down and meets with us in our humanity. He jump he like he jumps on top of our brokenness and he says, Bring it on, right? And he he goes to the cross and he and he offers us that freedom. Freedom is not just uh, I'm gonna stop doing the bad stuff. But freedom is like is actually God. I I need God. And I, like I need grace and I need the gospel to completely reorient how I how I love, because because addiction is at its at its heart misordered love, right? Like I love these things more than I love God. <laughs> it's it's wasted love, really. Yeah. Yeah. So how does how does God how does God reach into that shame and that brokenness and i think i think the answer is is specifically jesus right and not to not that jesus is like that sunday school answer for everything but 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 actually like really like how does god what does god do with our brokenness what does god do with sin he doesn't just judge it you know he enters into it he comes into it with us right and he transforms it and i think that's our hope i think that is the hope of the gospel that that Jesus, no, no matter how how broken I am, no matter how far I am in addiction, no matter how far I am in addiction to lust, in pornography, in anything, that God, there's no soul that has that has strayed so far that God cannot redeem. That's all to how we should love our brothers through knowing the grace that Christ had for us. Because the more you grow in your faith, the more you grow in Christ the more you realize how desperate and broken of a man or a woman that you are. And the more we realize that, the more, the more we can allow grace to flow into those places. And that like, that's, that's the point of being a Christian. <laughs> so good, dude. Yeah. And you know, we, I, I do think we touched on like some really important things today, but also that this, this is, this is such a huge conversation and there's so many different things that go into it. And so, if I could like leave, I guess your listeners, if I could just leave this conversation with something to say, I just think that it would be that there is hope and that, and that that is fundamentally because of the gospel. Like there is hope and, and we don't have to be stuck in shame. We don't have to live our lives enslaved. We will struggle our way through this life, but, but there's hope wherever a person is on, on a journey of, healing from sexual abuse, healing from sexuality, healing from pornography, all of that stuff. And freedom is, freedom is possible available right now, right now. That's so good. Grace is like right now. Yep. Wherever you are. There's no need to wait. Yeah. For grace. Oh, that's good. Actually, you know, I heard a story once from a guy, um, from a documentary and he's sitting in a prison cell 
and this is sort of uh, sort of like a dream he had that he's sitting in a prison cell and he's sitting by himself no one else would sit with him and he's just sitting there eating and all of a sudden jesus walks in and sits down with him and doesn't say anything and he looks up at jesus and says will you will you eat another meal with me and jesus says i'll eat with you whenever you want by the way the door's open and you're welcome to go whenever you want and that's like that's the gospel is like we we are in a prison of our own existence of our own of our own creating and the door is wide open and jesus is is in there with us right he's he'll he'll eat with us whenever we want he's in there with us but he's also saying hey you can walk out there's more there's hope there's freedom that that's forever changed the way that i see this is i'm never i'm i will never be in a place where i'm too far gone you know I, there will always be grace and always be freedom available every day and it's always present this conversation is uh we just touched like the tip of the iceberg right oh yeah this yes has been hard this this lust addiction has been hard but i've also been able to see now jesus's real full grace through it and i don't think i could have seen it to this extent if i didn't go through this lust addiction mm -hmm. and so man being able to see jesus's full real grace through this has been the coolest thing ever because outside of if we were just perfect right we would never get to see God's true full power. We wouldn't get to know him. Yeah. Why would we? Yeah, our brokenness is not a barrier. It's actually the way that God, where it's, it's where God meets us most. The brokenness is the bridge, so to speak. Yep, it is. Which means you gotta walk through it. You gotta face it. You can't just run away. Come on. Well, I think this is a great place to end and just say thank you, man. Like, thank you for opening up and being willing to fly here all the way from Spokane, Washington. Yeah. Which, if you are not good with geography, that is on the West Coast. We are on the East Coast. Yep. So that's all the way across the U.S. Indeed. For somebody who's met twice to do a podcast for the listeners and because we knew it's such a serious topic and it's just so cool how it all came together yeah man thanks for having me on i'm super pumped all right bro all right guys again if you have any questions you can email chewcreek at gmail.com to reach zach or i i can make it happen if you're trying to reach zach and yeah so thank you for listening should i plug my There's email you can plug your email if you want <laughs> right in front of him and everything he sings from the branch that he's sitting on it seems to hush the leaves and the colors all around now first he sings and then he goes and what it means it's hard to know